The word of God reads as follows. I'm reading from the New Revised Standard Version. And I'll be reading verses 29 through 33. Then he told them a parable. Look at the fig tree and all the trees. As soon as they sprout leaves, you can see for yourselves and know that summer is already near. So also when you see these things taking place, know that the kingdom of God is near. Truly I tell you, this generation will not pass away until all things have taken place. Heaven and earth may pass away, but my words will not pass away. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. It is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. This uh, particular passage of scripture uh, reminds me of a song by our, our band called REM, called the, uh, and the song is called It's the End of the World as We Know It. Uh, I won't recite the lyrics because it's a whole lot and I really don't feel like messing the song up. But they talk about various things in the end of the world and this passage of scripture reminds me of that and I thought it fitting that it came up on the lectionary because we're approaching December 21st, 2012. And I don't know if you've been paying attention or not, but there are some people that believe <laughs> December 21st, 2012 is supposed to be the end of the world. Um, there are some archaeologists that say that, that what it comes from is a, a Mayan calendar and the last date on it, based on the way it's calculated, is that December 21st, 2012 is supposed to be the last, the last day on the calendar. Now, some archaeologists say that that wasn't really a calendar for dates. It was a, a story, and the December 21st, 2012 was actually the name of a king that was coming to visit a enemy territory. Uh, there are other people to talk about. It's the age of Aquarius, and they argue that we're coming into the age of Aquarius, and some people argue that we're coming out of the age of Aquarius, uh, but you can't get two archaeologists to agree, uh, astrologists, excuse me, to agree on what December 21st, 2012 means, but people are worried about it. And I'm reminded of a movie I saw in uh, 2009 called 2012, and it was an action-adventure film where, uh, you know, they spent a lot of money on special effects and uh, doing different things, and the world was falling apart. And I found it interesting that one of the things in the movie is they created an arc. They called these boats in the movie, if you have not seen it. The government came up with these boats to save the people from the world going, and they called them arcs. A box that you can put something valuable in and protect it and protect creation. Uh, an ark. Moses was in an ark. Noah was in an ark, and I've even heard some theologians and professors use the allegory of uh, Jesus being born in a manger and, manger and that box that he was put in and the pictures that you often see, an ark, something that saves creation put inside of a box for the world. But people are still worried about the end of the world and 
when asked on my opinion about it, it's the title of this sermon. Don't worry about it. I'm not worried. I'm not one who debates on the rapture, whether or not it's mid-tribulation or post-tribulation or pre-tribulation or what all these different things that are going on, even in the Middle East as we speak right now. They're firing missiles upon each other, but I'm not worried about it because God is still on the throne. It says right here in the scriptures, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not. So as long as I hold on to the word of God, I find no reason to be worried. In this uh, particular passage, in the gospel according to Luke, Jesus uh, is right after Jesus' authority has been uh, questioned. They ask him things like, uh, who should we take to God or uh, um, who should we give to God or Caesar? And he says to render unto God what is God and to Caesar what is Caesar's. You know, they try to trap him in all of these different questions coming up to it. And then the disciples ask certain questions and they ask about the resurrection. Uh, and not only do they ask about the resurrection, but certain Pharisees and Sadducees try to trap him up and say, how can he be the son of David and uh, also be Lord over David? How can David call his son Lord? And all these things, they try to trap him up. And he basically answers with everything being happened in its season. God's timing is not our timing. His thoughts are not our thoughts. His ways are not our ways. We aspire to be like God and we aspire to know these things. But the fact of the matter is, is God has a better handle on it <laughs> than we do. Uh, but the question um, about how can the son of David be Lord prior to the parable fig that reminded me of when I actually got interviewed for certification. Uh, there was a question regarding my baptism uh, when I first confessed Christ back in Indianapolis at about 8 years old I had to go before some people uh, to prove that I knew the decision I made um, and uh, I sat with them and their, their um, official finding if you will was that Yes, I knew the decision I made, but I would probably make an even tougher, firmer, more concrete decision about this whole deal when I became 20 or older. Since I was confessing at 8, I didn't really know what it meant. I must not know about Jesus at 8, even though we are to be like children to enter the kingdom. I must not know, and I got baptized, and I put that story in uh, the paper I had to write before I went before certification, and so the question came up. When it came to the baptism and uh, they asked, they said, Johnny, uh, since you mentioned baptism in your paper and you mentioned that they thought that what you did at that age didn't hold, um, who does the saving when you're baptized? And I was worried when they brought it up, but when they answered the question that way, I thought about it and quickly answered God does the saving and that is one of the things that I appreciate about being a Methodist, the grace the covering, God is the actor and we're just there 
we are saved by grace, by saved by God. We don't do it ourselves. And so I took comfort in that. And I took comfort in not trying to get trapped up. God set it up and God does everything in his own time. So I don't worry. Worrying is not profitable. Worrying is not producing anything worthwhile. We don't worry. Troubles may come, but worrying kind of puts us in a box. Uh, I like to watch a lot of TV shows, and two shows that came to mind when I was preparing this sermon was a, a animated TV show called Futurama and another animated TV show called King of the Hill. Uh, one of the main characters in the show, King of the Hill, Hank Hill, was going to visit his newfound brother in Japan. And uh, they set him up in a hotel. And they were of the assumption that everything in Japan was smaller than everything in the United States. And so when they came to the hotel room, the first door they came to and they all they saw was a room and then another door. Excuse me, not a door, but like a wall. They assumed that that was their entire apartment that they were going to have to stay in. And they didn't ask anybody anything about the apartment. Excuse me, because they were worried that they would offend somebody. They were worried that they may offend their, his new brother. He was worried he may offend his father, his, uh, the mother of his half-brother. Uh, he was worried. So they spent the entire trip staying in a box that was probably about eight feet by eight feet, maybe. I mean, it's a cartoon, so you don't really know the dimensions, but it was cramped. It was crowded for four people to have to stay. It was cramped and crowded, and because they were worried about being offended, they stayed in that whole time. And another instance was in Futurama where the main character went to go stay with uh, his robot friend when he lost his place. And robots don't need that much space, so there was pretty much a closet space that he stayed in cramped with his new roommate, him and the robot spending this cramped space. Well, at the end of both episodes, in King of the Hill, they pulled back this wall and discovered it was a whole multi-bedroom suite with, with, with kitchens and bedroom, living room, office space, and, and fruit on the table that had spoiled as a welcome gift because they had spent that whole week in that first part, which was essentially the porch, not understanding that there was a whole big apartment. And the same thing happened in Futurama. They slid the wall back and found out it was a whole big apartment spacious with an ocean view but they never saw it because they were worried about offending people and that's what happens when you worry you spend all this time thinking about something and you get trapped you can't perform on your job because you're worried about something else you can't perform in your life you can't perform in your relationships because the worry keeps you running in a small pattern rocking back and forth in a limited space when there's a whole big world out there but you miss it <laughs> because you worry yeah. Yeah. to worry and to constantly be worried is not profitable 
to be constantly fearful is to put faith in your failure and to worry about the future that's like taking a payday loan out on problems you haven't even reached yet the interest is high and you miss out on it do not worry heaven and earth may pass away but my word will never pass away I can't tell you what the top songs were from the last month. I have no idea what the billboard is, and I listen to a lot. I mean a lot of music, but I can't tell you who was number one back a month ago. It's not important. You'll forget about that. 2,000 years ago, though, somebody hung, bled, and died for our sins and rose from the dead and sits at the right hand of the Father, and that's what matters. Don't worry. He points to the fig tree, Jesus does. And it's a sign of things to come. You know, the we like signs. Signs make us feel comfortable. Signs may give us a, a bit of control. When you can read a street sign, you can go wherever you want to go. Every generation seeks out a sign, which is why a lot of times this, um, I, which is another reason why I'm not worried about the end times. If they come, they come. If they do not, they do not. There's a church, I, I, I can't remember the name of it right now, but they're constantly crunching the numbers and looking into the prophecies and try to pick the exact date of the end. And every time we hit that exact date, that pastor has to issue a statement and say, my calculations were wrong, but here's the new end date. I would assume that gives them a set of control, but there's no need to worry God is in control. If we have a sign to point to, if we have a sign to follow, we can feel a little better about it. And we do have a sign to point to. We do have a sign to follow. It's all wrapped up in in here. I can take it with me. I can chew on it. I can meditate on it. I can pray about it. That is my sign that... I should point to. That is the sign I should worry about. Not about exit polls. Not about people. Not about jobs. Not about any other thing. We should spend our time chewing on the word of God. Because it is here to stay. It is our sign. And just like the fig tree leaves showing you it's summertime. That is a sign of things to come. But we need not worry. Even when we have problems. We're going to have problems. The Bible says that man born of a woman. His days are short and full of trouble. The Bible says that no weapon formed against you shall prosper. But we often forget that the weapon still is formed. 
Now, it's not about doom and gloom and everything else, but it's not super positive. We have to be able to navigate the changes through life and not worry about them. They're going to come. And sometimes we should often welcome the challenges. I'm reminded of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego being in the fire. And the people throwing them in the fire said, well, we threw three people in, but now I see four, and one of them looks like the Son of God. And sometimes I thought about, well, you know, if the Son of God was there, why didn't he take them out immediately? Why didn't he squash all the fire? Why didn't he overpower everything and then I realized sometimes it's better to have Jesus in the fire than to be out of the fire and in the presence right next to your enemies the Bible says in Matthew 6 27 and 30 which of you can add one cubit to his stature by worrying why do you worry about clothing consider the lilies of the field As they grow, they neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now, so if God so clothes the grass on the field, which today is, tomorrow is thrown in the oven, he will not clothe you more often, O ye of little faith. If things are always taken care of. Won't he take care of us? There's a whole lot in nature that goes without any worry, and they get taken care of fine. And if God created them and can take care of them, He can surely take care of me. Amen. Bible says that worry in the heart of a man causes depression, but a good word makes it glad. Amen. Back to the sign. Amen. Back to the sign. A good word makes it glad. The Bible says many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord shall carry us through them. The Bible says that (laughs) weeping may endure for a night, but joy shall come in the morning. And I like that it says weeping may (laughs) and joy shall. So one is a possibility and the one is a factual. We might cry about it, but joy is going to come. A maybe versus a solid possibility. Haven't you not, has thou not known, has thou not heard the word of God, the creator of the ends of the earth, feigneth not, neither is he weary. There is no searching for his understanding. He giveth power to the faint and to them who have no might, he increaseth strength. Even the youth shall be weary and the young men shall utterly fail. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up as wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall not walk. They shall walk and not faint. If I wait on the Lord, the Lord is bigger than my financial situation. The Lord is bigger than my health situation. The Lord is bigger than my family situation. If I just wait upon Him, He is bigger. Then any problem I can ever throw at him. No need to worry, because he shall renew my strength. 
should be anxious for nothing, but in much prayer and supplication and with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, who passes all understanding, shall guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. If we spend a little time talking to God about our problems instead of other people, just a little more time, we might see a big difference. And I know it's possible to want to talk to people about it because we want somebody to know what's going on. But let's just make sure that that's not the only person we talk to about. Amen. Matter of fact, it's probably your best bet to put your troubles on Jesus because that's the best way to make sure it's not going to come back to anybody. <laughs> I often hear the joke about people saying I can keep a secret. It's the person I've told that can't keep a secret. <laughs> you put your trust in God. And when you put your trust in God and cast your cares upon him, there will be no reason to worry. Time is filled with swift transition. Not of earth. A move can stand. Build your hope on things eternal. And hold on to God's unchanging hand. If I hold on to God's unchanging hand, that's better than holding on to someone else's. People sleep. People get tired. People don't want to help. But you hold on to God's unchanging hand. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And when your journey is completed, if to God you have been true, fair and bright the home in glory your enraptured soul will view. You hold on to God's unchanging hand. You hold on. You build your hope in things eternal because those are the only things that last is God's unchanging hand. And so because I can hold on to God's unchanging hand, I don't worry about things. I don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow's got its own problems. It's going to take care of itself. I don't worry about my bills because that's what I can't do that. I can't be trapped in a spot going back and forth when I know it's a big house to walk in through. I cannot be worried. I cannot falter because I have to put it in my Lord, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the, the Bishop of Souls, the one who died for my sins. I put my hope in him. And if I put my hope in him, I'm not worried about the world ending. I'm not worried about tomorrow's problems. I'm not worried about anything, be it bills, be it car trouble, be it work, be it anything. I hold on to God's unchanging hand and I will make it through. In the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, and in the name of the Holy Spirit, the doors of the church are open and we invite you to come.